just here to have a good time and up some shit, you know? Hello, and welcome to Millennialavision. This is the podcast where two millennials who were raised by television chat about what they're watching, whether past, present, or future, and just deep dive because we really love it. I'm Claire. And I'm Brianna. And as you may tell, we are still experimenting with sound and editing, so it's a journey. And we are having fun with it. But if you have any feedback or tips or tricks... Let us know. We're learning. We're going with the flow, and we are continuing to enjoy television. What have you been watching this week, Brianna? Oh, this week has been a busy week of watching television. (laughs) I think I mentioned last week that I've been uh, out of work for about a year, and so as far as, like, what's been going on with me, I've just been having job interviews this week, and in between job interviews, guess what I get to do? Watch TV. Heck yeah. Well, congrats on the interviews. That's great. Here's hoping. I really want this one, so here's hoping it works out. (gasps) So what have you been watching in between? I have just a bunch to blurt out essentially it's been a big week for tv for me kind of the three main things that i'll be talking about today prior to the traders is you know for our reality tv folks usually our reality tv girls and gays i'm going to talk a little bit about vanderpump rules we had the first episode since scandaval won't go too deep into it but definitely want to touch down on that of course griselda with sofia vergara oh yes of course yes yeah which has been great so far and then I threw a third thing in well I'll kind of get to that but I threw a third thing in because once I started Griselda I took a detour down a little documentary called Cocaine Cowboys (laughs) I love it this is like last time uh, I don't know if it quite made the cut when you were like do you like true crime and I was like no no (laughs) (laughs) so this is very much your area (laughs) Cocaine Cowboys sounds like it's uh, going down that road All right, so for Vanderpump, like I said, not going to go too far into it, but we have a season 11 premiere of Vanderpump Rules. Claire, are you aware of Vanderpump Rules? Are you aware of Scandaval? Um, I am aware of Scandaval, but that's pretty much my knowledge. I've had it explained to me by a couple. (laughs) I'm aware of the term and that is it. No, I had someone explained it to me and I was like, oh, wow. Okay, Scandaval. And I know that it shook the internet, but that's pretty much as far as I know. Yeah, so again, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm a lover of reality TV and I could spend hours talking about Scandaval. But ultimately, this is the first episode that's picking up post-Scandaval, if you will. And the reason that it rocked the internet is always really difficult to portray in conversation because when you boil it down to its simplest form, a guy cheated on his girlfriend that he was in a relationship with for almost 10 years. People cheat all the time. He's frankly a piece of shit. No one's really surprised by it. However, Ariana and Tom Sandoval, like Tom Sandoval has been on the show since season one. Ariana has been on the show since I think season two. And so the reason it rocked the internet is kind of for two reasons. One, we've quote unquote, we've been in this relationship with them for almost 10 years. So while we don't see all the ins and outs, obviously we see what we see on TV, but you do kind of feel like you grow and you go on this journey with these people because they're all real friends. They actually all really hang out. It's not just like, 
like they turn the cameras on. It's actually, you know, these are real people and real friends. And the second part that kind of made it crazy is this girl, Raquel, who had joined five years ago as the girlfriend of another character, DJ James Kennedy. Notice how I call him a character. <laughs> She had come on, he brought her on as his girlfriend and they had gotten engaged and then broken up. It was a really toxic relationship, so great that they broke up. Wait a second, so this show has been on 10 seasons or 10 years? They just started season 11. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's nice. And it's, let me tell you, a group of people that know how to make great TV, that is for <laughs> sure. But yeah, you know, when DJ James Kennedy and Raquel broke up, she was still quote unquote part of the friend group. And that was because she was still on the show. The show wanted to see, you know, Raquel and James post breakup. Well, she then ended up become really good friends with Ariana and Tom. And she is who Tom cheated on Ariana with. And they had a seven month torrid love affair. Not just he cheated and they hooked up a couple of times, a torrid love affair. By the time this all came out, they were saying they were full on in love with each other. For example, in September last year, they went to Mexico for Sheena's wedding. She's one of the other gals on the show. Ariana was in bed sleeping one night and Tom was out getting so drunk that he went and knocked on Raquel's door to try to stay with her because they were just having a full-on torrid love affair, full-on relationship behind Ariana's back. So it broke the internet. Part of it is how it came out. They had already put cameras down. They had stopped filming for that season and he has a stupid little side band. So he was performing on stage and his phone fell out of his pocket. And she said, I just had, call it a woman's intuition. I just unlocked his phone and immediately saw some photos of them FaceTiming and doing you know, FaceTime sex, essentially, and all hell broke loose. So oh, thank God. you to Ariana for picking up the phone and calling the producers and being willing to put that out there. Yeah. And she's doing amazing now. Like she's starring as Roxy Hart on Broadway in Chicago. So kudos to her. She's been on Dancing with the Stars. We love a Roxy Hart comeback queen, just like Pam Anderson. I know. We, and <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. And, and this is our first episodes since all that happened so we are living in the past a little bit you know this will started filming I think like six months ago so we get to kind of relive it which some of us are a little tired of it but it's kind of cool to check in with everybody see how they're handling it and yeah I'll be interested to see where the where the season goes from okay here. maybe I do need to watch some of these shows because to me it's crazy that you say it's like a real friend group that's also being filmed but also the scandals going on and then also that part's not being filmed but now it's part of it so it's like <laughs> how do they as human beings know where to draw the line between reality and fiction and what they're doing because they're friends and what they're doing because the cameras are rolling it sounds really complicated and frankly bad for your psyche yeah it's great for my psyche i think well, for like the viewers I, the viewers <laughs> love it the people involved i feel like that must be very hard i always say it takes a certain type of person to be able to be in reality television. And this is something that I talk with my friends about, even about housewives. Like there's a particular housewife that's on Beverly Hills right now. I'm not going to say who it is that I personally love, but I love her because I would be friends with her. And therefore I do not feel she's a great housewife mm. because I don't think the people that I'm friends with would be great on these kinds of shows. She's too normal. She's not confrontational or delusional <laughs> enough. So I do think it takes a certain type of person. Now the Vanderpump kids, I usually refer to them as kids, even though they're older than me, they're in their forties. 
The way that this kind of started was just a bunch of friends that all worked at Sir restaurants. Mm -hmm. And they would film in Sir. They were bartenders. They were hostesses, hosts, waiter, waitresses. So they would film in Sir and then they would go out and party. And that was the big crux of other than the fact that they were sleeping with each other and all of that. But we've definitely seen them grow over the years and lots of them have kids now and they hang out. It is crazy. Any reality show, Housewives or you know, Vanderpump or whatever, they can have these explosive things happen on TV. And then the next day, just be like, hey, want to get the kids together? Like, it's crazy. (laughs) In a way, like, maybe we all need to (laughs) adapt that more and like have that kind of model of like, yeah, we had a huge fight, but you know, life goes on and the cameras are still rolling. Life goes on. Let's go. I don't think they would be so good at the resolution, obviously, if the cameras weren't rolling. You know, there's it's a job and I do have to remember that it's a job they have call times and the producers are essentially saying these two people are going to go together and have lunch and it's all based on Mm -hmm. this fight that they had you know two two episodes ago so it's definitely when it comes to like quote-unquote being produced it's produced in that way but as an avid Housewives Vanderpump Summer House fan, you cannot write this stuff. And I see so many conspiracies online about they're scripted or, you know, they're overly produced or they're told what to say or do. And I'm like, you're giving these delusional, crazy people <laughs> way too much credit. They are not that good of actors. This is... I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. We see it with Phaedra on Traders, not to, you know, jump to a head, but... But even a couple weeks ago when she started that thing with Parvati and then was like, okay, you know what? We're going to move past it. Because if we didn't move past things, we wouldn't get onto our next next big big storyline. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And they're really good at that. And it makes it fun. Because right now there's a woman on Potomac that just, well, two women in particular, that are frankly holding grudges. And it has shit all over the whole season and it's not fun to watch so we love conflict but we love resolution as well totally and it's kind of like actually in a way a good model for real life too like when people hold really long grudges it's just so dumb and not good for either of them and so toxic you know we should all be more like housewives yeah they it's tox- <laughs> that's my motto. toxic that's my motto i'll be like, like the housewives, housewives. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's Vanderpump. Um, I can jump a little into Griselda if you want. Um, I know you, you started Griselda, right? Sure. I watched the teeniest bit. So basically, I watched enough to kind of understand the tone of it. I'm really not too far in. I've been looking forward to Griselda for a really long time. As I mentioned last week, um, I love murder. I definitely love drugs. I can... <laughs> Like, watching shows, like, there's a show, Queen of the South, is just, like, so good and so intense, and I just, I love it. In content. I love murder in my content. Yeah, I like, I like drugs and murder in all of my content, and I love when they when they cross paths. But not real life. But not real life. Not real life, yeah. Uh, so, I, feminist icon, Griselda, la madrina, if you will, I kind of was in the same boat as you. I watched the first episode and immediately was like, my curiosity was piqued on how much of this is going to be accurate versus how much isn't. Because I know it's scripted and I know it's fictional, but it's also essentially a biopic, right? It is Mm. based on this woman's life. So I had heard, it's funny, all roads lead back to housewives. (laughs) I had heard about- One of the housewives is related to (laughs) Griselda. So I had actually heard about this, like group or series of documentaries called cocaine cowboys 
And the reason that I had heard of that is there's a woman named Alexia on Real Housewives of Miami, and she used to be married, I think it was back in the 90s, she used to be married to somebody who was in the cartel. And she's kind of talked very openly about it, and she's participated. There's a docu-series on Netflix that I haven't watched yet called Also Cocaine Cowboys, but it's like Cocaine Cowboys something something that she participated in. So I kind of was like, wait a second, I wonder if there's a Cocaine Cowboys on this. So I start researching, I'm like, oh, there is. The one that was made back in 2006 mostly covers Griselda Blanco. So I stop Griselda and I go, all right, I'm turning this on. Now, let me set the stage a little bit. This documentary was about two hours and I would say for about the first 50 minutes to an hour, they really laid the foundation of a total setting. However, while I was watching it, it felt like it moved so quickly because there were so many people talking and it wasn't like me sitting here telling a story or this, that, or answering questions. It would just like be a guy that would say one thing and then it would flash to another guy saying another thing, kind of confirming what he was saying. And so it was weird how all these people were talking and the music in the background, and I think this is what made it sound so crazy, was like, if I could describe 90s cocaine music, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. It was like a little, and then the drums would go like, and it was like really low and it was through the whole thing so it starts out with this guy who the first sentence out of his mouth is essentially saying I was you know in my young 20s I got involved in the New York Mafia uh I was really excited um you know we opened four clubs in New York City really popular business was booming and then my partner was shot 11 times so I realized and this is a quote I realized I had to get out of the heat so I moved to Miami to get into the cocaine business and I just thought wow because I know the mafia is being so incredibly powerful and here we are <laughs> going up to get into the cocaine business. So some things I learned just to set the tone for when we talk a little bit more about Griselda. The time in which this happened, which was back in the 80s, we hear this all the time now, this quote unquote open borders, open borders, open borders. No, back in the 80s, it really was open borders. There was no one checking boats, planes, trains. There was no one checking those. And so initially what had happened is they would bring hundreds and hundreds. I'm talking like they would have, you know, two or three people that would do the transporting back and forth, hundreds of kilos of cocaine, 800 kilos a week for just one person. And they had multiple different ways of bringing it in just in to try to avoid getting caught. One of the things that they would do is they would put all of these drugs on the boats and bring them in the water, but they would drop them in the water and they would put these little transponders on them so that they could go and find them in the ocean and bring them back out. That's how serious this was, like a pretty big operation. So I also learned in Miami at this time that it felt like no laws there, essentially. The cops that were supposed to be enforcing the laws were the ones that were in on it. They said over the course of a year, they fired 40 police officers for corruption, fired and charged 40 police officers for corruption because they were in on it. These cartel drug dealers are essentially trying to pay them off. They're saying, hey, we'll give you X thousands of dollars to look the other way. So thankfully we meet Griselda. Now, what I have experienced so far in the show, I've only watched, I think two-ish episodes is pretty on par with some differences. 
So some things that I've some things that I've learned about her. First thing I'll say is she was insane. Now I think that Sofia Vergara was a great cast for her, but I need her eyebrows to be better. <laughs> like, um, well. <laughs> Well, I don't know what the real Griselda looks like, but I know that they spent a lot of time doing her, like, she has a prosthetic nose and her face. And did you see the Kelly Clarkson interview where Kelly was like, you don't look that different. And Sophia Vergara was like, that was two hours of makeup, Kelly. It's really weird because when you're watching it, it's like, I can tell it's her, but I also, it reminds me of how I felt about Austin Butler and the Elvis movie. Yeah. Where, like, there were certain times that I was watching him that I kind of forgot that it was him, and I did feel like I was immersed in Elvis. And so that's, like, kind of how I feel about this. And and this, it's not very easy to find pictures of Griselda from when she was younger so it's kind of hard to know the difference but I will say she had 80s Latina eyebrows and I would have loved to see them do a little bit darker darker and thinner eyebrows but her teeth incredible work by the makeup artist it's interesting to me because like like you said if there are no photos like why does it really matter how similar they look yeah that's an interesting question I think unless because Sofia Vergara is just so well known as who she is it's kind of to help you like see into the character a little more or see her as that character yeah I know it's just an interesting choice to me when they do that because most of the time it's more distracting to me than than helpful yeah it's interesting actually if you were to google a photo of Griselda Blanco all of the photos I would say 99.9% of them would be of her later in life because that's not only when she was most successful and most well, we'll put successful in quotes, you know, successful on a cartel level um, and most well known, but it's also when she was arrested and there's mugshots and it's a little bit more clearly documented where she was older. She had put on a ton of weight, uh, which they, you know, kind of talk about in this documentary, but we see in Griselda, and I'm curious to kind of hear your thoughts on this as you get into it a little bit more, but we do see her starting off as empathetic. Yeah, okay, yes, interesting. Because what I was going to say is it's so interesting because she starts out as like a very low-status kind of character. And you can tell she's got to earn her way. And I mean, I don't know anything about this this character or this person in real life, but I assume she's going to gain status Shh. and power. Uh but right now, she does not know what she's doing at all. And it's also interesting to see Sofia Vergara in a role like that because I think she is a pretty powerful uh, presence. Oh, yeah. Her energy, her presence, absolutely. Yeah. The reason that I kind of joked and said feminist icon Griselda Blanco is because I truly feel that she crosses this path that you'll see in the show, I think in like episode two, where she becomes warm and compassionate and caring and empathetic into a cold killer. And men pushed her to this. There's really no other way you can say it. She tried to come to the table with, you know, the Ochoa cartel, which is really well known. They're like one of the biggest cartels in existence and she kind of tried to say hey I want this territory I want this market I'm here and I can do something with it just let me lead this and let us use your supply and he basically refused unless it was being led by a man he refused to work with her he went there himself and he pulled all of her dealers that she had spent all of this time going around kind of making a case as to how much money they could make they just need mm. to get the Ochoas bought in and so essentially what she did at that point is after getting pushed and pushed and pushed, she then went and killed all of those dealers that he went and rounded up. And the reason for that is when they're dead, 
who else does he have to go to? He goes to her. And once she crosses that path of it being an easy decision to kill people, and you see this in a lot of movies, TV shows, it's even. breaking bad. Exactly. It's like once you kill that first person, now oh all of a gosh. sudden you're like, okay, well, I can kill all of these other people and get them out of my way. And it's almost easier than negotiating or dealing with them. Some other just kind of quick things that I wrote down in my notes. Um, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but we see her. She turns from targeted killing into like kill these drug dealers to like kill everyone in the house. She's obviously got hitman, kill everyone in the house. Uh, that escalates. Um, ultimately, the way that she kind of started getting brought down, and this is all from Cocaine Cowboys, is they the feds then spun up a task force and they seized $31 million of cocaine, a billion in street value in one load like one ship they got all of that so once the feds essentially started to shut that down it was really interesting in this documentary hearing about how that actually screwed up the entire economy in miami these big drug dealers with millions of dollars in their pocket kind of see themselves they want to give back and they then and this is like what the mafia does too where they start working with these contractors and they build all these buildings and it's like a lot of corrupted you know business so to speak but once you take all those guys and put them in prison you've now pulled the money that's funding those projects and so apparently it tanked the economy in miami um you know i'm interested to see where they take this uh as far as the show so far it seems like it's been actually accurate with some differences i will say so the very first thing that you see in the episode is a quote from pablo escobar we all know who pablo escobar is it says the only man i was ever afraid of was a woman named griselda blanco and i thought that was really interesting because pablo escobar was killed in 93 and griselda blanco was killed in 2012 so she far outlived him she was far more powerful than him they were enemies for sure um it's written in some places that she was mentored by him i don't know how true that is but they definitely were enemies and yeah I'm, i won't spoil it as to how she died in 2012 and we'll hope that the show covers that but yeah it's been I, I felt like okay I pressed pause to go learn about Griselda Blanco and now I'm kind of jumping back into Griselda. <laughs> That's what, I love how you did that I love that you did this like expanded universe of education <laughs> yeah. about the world that you jumped into but that's cool and like that's such an interesting way to learn I think which is bringing it back to you know using TV to sort of digest and process the world I think that's something people don't realize is you start you see this one thing from like a TV show and then it does mm -hmm. go send you down a, a hole of wanting to learn about it and like you know whether that's from other TV or a documentary or wikipedia or a book or yeah. whatever or podcast like i think it's just so cool how written or scripted content can sometimes mm -hmm. bring us to real life events like i said i love drugs and so i was like what i would love to see ken burns if you're listening what i would love to see is like a zoomed out version of like the iran contra and cia and them bringing cocaine into specifically you know south central la i want to see how that interacted with whichever types of cartels i want to see like a zoomed out version um because i think that would be fun but you know ultimately listen here's how i've always felt before this documentary and i kind of still feel this way now i am sad that i'll never be able to try 1980s cocaine <laughs> <laughs> expand way, on that <laughs> the way that they talk about it and of course they're saying it from a business sense of like everyone was doing it and so there was money to be made but it's not even just in this like i feel like 
a lot of media or things that I've watched or read or listened to has described this era in the 80s as like the cocaine era. Everyone was doing it. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone was addicted to it, but you know, you go out for a Saturday night and party and it was everywhere and it was really pure. And I've never done cocaine in my life, but like you can't really do cocaine now because it's cut with fentanyl, you know? Oh, so scary. Like, I know. I know what you mean. Like they really do glamorize it in a lot of things. And I actually recently watched Studio 54 and that's like exactly mm. the kind of culture you're talking about. Is they're like, uh-huh. we just go out and partying and having a good time. Mm-hmm. So do coke all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously I was just a baby, but you know, and it'll never happen. But and as is this dis- Disclaimer, like obviously, we're saying uh, this is not Drugs a good bad. idea or a <laughs> habit you want to pick up. <laughs> yeah. Drugs are bad. Drugs okay. are bad. But uh, these things do glamorize and, you know, it's it's, a cur- it's curious. And also, like, the whole – I mean, once I, when I did start watching Narcos, I was like, what? They really just the, – the just the scale of what they're doing is insane to me. And then – because not only how much cocaine they're making and distributing, but then that means that's all getting used, too. Not only is it all getting and used, there's a market like- for That was, I think, the most mind-blowing thing. There was so much that was mind-blowing about Cocaine Cowboys, but the most mind-blowing thing is, like, one thing that I thought was crazy in Narcos is just how willy-nilly they were out there killing people. Like, they would just pull up to a store pull out their Uzis or whatever and shoot the place up and dip. Yeah. And I always thought... I think that's part of the reason I had to stop. I was like, I can't. This is... There's like... There are no rules. Uh, Well, (laughs) that's the thing. And I've always thought like as much as I've watched that, I've always thought that that's somewhat exaggerated. That is not exaggerated. That is like I think some of the most jaw-dropping stuff that I watched in Cocaine Cowboys is like, oh, yeah, this guy was at the liquor store at this mall. This... I think it was called Dadeland Mall. And so you know Griselda said take him out and we just pulled up outside the mall and shot the place up and dipped and like Ugh. it felt I'm sure it felt like nowhere was safe when, if you're in Miami and the cartels coming in so it really shocking stuff truly it sounds scary and even the people working for the big boss like even people working for Pablo Escobar were not safe no no like, no one's, no there's like no from him there. even I mean yeah, that is um, I'm excited to learn more about that. I didn't even go into that as far as cocaine cowboys, but like Griselda is going to backstab a lot of people. And I'm really excited to see how they cover that. Mm. She's been here's a touch of it. She's been married three times. She's also widowed three times. And they suspect that she was involved in all of her husband's killings. Oh, wow. So oh my gosh, there's going to be a lot that we see, which I'm excited about. It is interesting, like you say, how it's obviously based on a real person, but there's a lot that's sort of maybe exaggerated or changed. And I think that's kind of like a cool world of like, it's obviously not a biography, so it doesn't need to, or a documentary. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be yep. completely factual, but that's just like a cool jumping off point for whatever story we're going to get out of it. So Yeah, well, well it also makes you think, okay, these two people on this show, this fictionalized show, are having a conversation. Like, how much information did they have about what that conversation looked like prior to? Or is this all, you know, totally written yeah. by a writer and yep. totally falsified? Yeah. So very, very interesting. And I'm excited to see where the show goes. Yeah. Cool. Well, in a completely different direction, <laughs> what I have been watching this week were, well, I rewatched, uh, I watched several movies this week. So I watched like Father of the Bride, mm. which is one of my Fun. favorites. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it. I've been just kind of, watch that in it's, years. oh my God, both Father of the Bride and the sequel are 
so beautiful. They're so good, and they're just a fun, solid Nancy Myers mm-hmm. time. Definitely. Very warm and fuzzy, and it's, like, not over the top in theory, but then when you see the actual way this family lives, their, like, quote-unquote normal life, it's just so big and beautiful. Yeah. Everything's this beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> I drive by the house sometimes where that was filmed, the outside of it, and it's just nuts to see, oh, this is a real house. Yeah. Well, same thing with the full house house. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's such a fantasy, fantasy house. Well, then, okay, so I've been watching New Girl, kind of, which is, you know, just fun to have on. Is that a rewatch or is that the first time? Oh, rewatch. So I actually only watched New Girl for the first time in the middle of the pandemic, which was interesting to me because as soon as I started, I was like, oh, I, this is very me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I haven't seen this yeah. show until now. <laughs> and even at the time I had like Jess's exact haircut and it was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I mean, although I'm not trying to say I'm Jess cause I feel like most people probably watch it and go like, wow, I'm so Jess, but like Carrie with um, sex in uh, the city. I'm such a Carrie. It's like, why Really yeah i'm like i'm not trying to say I'm that but part of it is i was like i do sing to myself a lot and etc but it was just very funny because i, I she's love relatable so much she's very relatable um and then uh what i did watch that's new is the full new season of queer eye on netflix oh season eight i don't think i realized that dropped i think it's only about six episodes it did drop um it's you know fun heartwarming as ever and they're in um, New Orleans this time. Oh, interesting. So that's really fun. Okay, here's a question about the new Queer Eye. Because it's, I believe, the last season with Bobby, right? Mm-hmm. Do we feel any tension? Does it feel, you know, <laughs> I mean, a little out of place? I didn't. I didn't feel any anything I would feel would be reading into something because also I didn't read about the, the possible drama until after I'd finished it. And so, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Also, the thing is, like, ultimately, they are all co-workers. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's what they've been the whole time. I think it's really lovely if they love each other on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about the drama other than there is drama and he's, you know, obviously leaving the show. But it did make me stop and think, like, okay, Karamo, like, let's be real. He just has a conversation with them. <laughs> and, yes. like, the level of work that totally he has to do versus all the other ones is of course so just honestly unfair <laughs> so there was an episode where Anthony's whole thing was he took the person out to lunch he didn't even like make lunch or like teach them how to make something yeah so yeah so yes however I mean I, I of course Bobby has a whole team of people helping him but you're right I think he in order to do the design and planning yeah. he is gotta be you know really hands-on in charge of all that and so it is very hard in that way but I mean I suppose that's just sort of the nature of the show because in order to some to have someone do that role it's just more work yeah yeah maybe they need to bring on a pair like a designing pair so that it feels more balanced yeah yeah and I mean like like I said like there's no way Bobby doesn't have like a full sure. team of people helping him transform a house but it's yeah it's, it doesn't feel the same as Karamo just having a chat about like empathy yeah. and boundaries yeah. <laughs> culture although I do although Karamo is so good at that and everything he says to me is like he always hits the nail on the head and like knows exactly what the people he's talking to need to hear and so like I do think it's so lovely but yeah I think uh at least like uh labor like physical labor wise yeah it's very unbalanced 100 percent yeah I mean that's pretty much it of course the traders 
ready to talk about well, it, raring to go. Before we get into the episode, I would love to hear a little bit more of like the lead up. So you're in the Bay Area with your family right now. Oh, and yes, I am. You mentioned separately in a text message that you are trying to get your mom into it. So okay. we'd love to hear about so, that. Yes, I am home visiting. And usually when I'm here, I, I've always got something that I'm onto. And I'm like, hey, let's watch this thing. And I had mentioned it a few times. Literally, every time I was like, are you watching The Traders? She was like, what's that? And I, <laughs> Do you listen to me when I explain. talk to you? It's a, sh- it's a show <clears> that's <throat> coming. And it's where they're all in the castle and yada, 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 yada. So I literally did the spiel. But then last night was a new episode. So I was like, hey, do you want to watch with me? Even though she hasn't seen any of the other ones. And she was like... Okay, and so we watched the lead up from the end of episode five into episode six, which is the new one, and I think we have a new fan because at the end of episode six, she was like, wait, we have to wait until the next week? And so then we kind of like started watching the after show thing and then some of the the first episodes of this, this week. So it's really that easy to get hooked on it and... I, I can see why, because again, the production value immediately draws you in. Oh my gosh, I felt like I needed Xanax watching this episode. Oh, and, and this one, yeah. It's like, yeah, what was happening was intense, but it also was like the editing. I was just like, ah, <laughs> it was a lot. Yes, sometimes you can see the seams in the editing, but it doesn't really bother me because I don't think they're like changing anything. Yeah, but it's happened. just like even the the sound design of it is like just yes. so insane to me. Totally. The way, uh, they just do a really good job. Um, before we get into the episode, do we want to do Alan's fit check? Alan's fit check. Okay, Alan had a great fit this episode. The first one we see, would you like to describe this fit okay wait before we even go into this you know what i never realized i'm looking at this photo i never realized that there's a full framed i'm assuming painting of him in the background yes as a king wearing a crown and everything so not only it's his castle because he is the king of the castle (laughs) so now in the lore of the traitors traitors Right. Alan Cumming is the king. You're in his castle, and he's hosting a party where his guests are murdering each other, yet he is conducting it. <laughs> it's just a, an upbeat host, if you will. <laughs> he is, like, very cheery about his hosts doing this, or his guests, rather. Yeah, so why don't you describe Alan's fit? Because this is a really special one. All right. We have Alan wearing a fit where he has, from top to bottom, a royal blue beret, Royal blue frames on his glasses, uh, a royal blue uh, blouse with like sort of a pussy bow kind of thing happening, a red kilt with a little pouch, which may be part of the kilt. Then we go down to the bottom. We've got blue, again, royal blue socks, all the same shade of blue and (laughs) patent leather combat boots. And let's listen. I do want, I understand he's wearing a kilt, but just, he has his legs out there and they are really doing double time along with the patent leather combat boots. I mean, it is glor. When I saw those patent leather combat boots, I mean, (laughs) it is glorious. Just incredible. It's incredible. Oh, and Oh, and also he has a little tuft oh, of hair. A little tuft of, his a little gray tuft of hair, hair sticking out. <laughs> and it's so cute. I, I love notice his he does a little tuft. tuft of hair out a little bit. It's really cute. 
gosh, love Alan so much. Um, and then, oh, and later on in the episode two, when they're outside, he has like long elbow length plaid, red plaid gloves on mm. too, which is an just, incredible addition to this outfit. Whoever is oh, styling just, him for this is just on par. Love it. It's like they were like, bring us all the plaid in Scotland and we will make <laughs> Think outfits. Think Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Well, shall we get into this really intense episode of The Traitors? Let's get into it. Let's get into All right. it. So we know we left last week where the traitors were talking about if they should eliminate. So there was the situation where they were told a couple people had shields. Parvati was on to Peter's trap, knowing that those people probably didn't have shields. If you don't watch the show, what I just said really makes no sense at all. So hopefully you do. <laughs> um, but basically, it was Dan's kind of turn to pick uh, someone to eliminate. And he picked the worst choice because they chose to eliminate Bergie, who we as the audience knows had a shield. Therefore, it makes the traders look really bad because they chose to eliminate someone they were told was in the clear. And I also want to say, you know, not only did Dan frankly disregard, uh, Dan, and we'll talk about this more as the episode goes on, but Dan very clearly underestimated everybody. And that Absolutely. was, that's, that's you know, thing. the, the ego in him for sure. Yep. But also like, I understand that traitor murders are not always going to make sense. Sometimes they're to throw a wrench in things or to create chaos, but Berkey is just so likable both Mm -hmm. to the audience and to the people playing the game that it felt so transparent as to what like let's say the shield conversation the shield trap with peter never happened it's so transparent that it's dan there's nobody else that would murder him. Because Bergie was the only one. Yeah, and Bergie was pretty much like, yeah, Dan, you're a traitor. Yeah, he said, uh, I yeah. am just going to leave your name written on my chalkboard. And yeah, I love I that. Just, I mean, I guess if you think about it, maybe Dan didn't have a choice. And he. it's kind of like he said at the end of the last episode where this is either going to lose me the game or it's going to help me win the game. But... I don't know. I don't know. Such a bad move. Because it's like they could have chosen anybody even to just cause more chaos. Yeah. To confuse everybody. Because since they had chosen someone who was so adamant that Dan was a traitor, it just, yeah, it made them look even worse as traitors. It was just a bad move. And so lo and behold, everybody walks into breakfast because Bergie had a shield. So he did not get murdered. Then Peter like straight up just reveals the plan to everyone at breakfast, which felt also chaotic. It was nuts to me that he did this. Okay, first of all, I don't know if you noticed this, but <laughs> Parvati, she does this thing where she squints her eyes, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a tell or if she always does this. Like, I don't feel like I remember it standing out this much when I was watching Survivor, but she squinted her eyes and she went, what? <laughs> Okay, so I actually was listening to a podcast. It was the Drop Your Buffs podcast, Uh and it was an episode with Mae Martin, who dates Parvati. And essentially, so all all of Parvati's fans have pointed out this this 
eye squint thing she does. It's like a mouth pursing yeah, of the lips and yeah, an eye squint yeah. thing. And I think it is when she's playing the game. And May said that they've only noticed it once when they two were having a fight. So it's I think it's not something she does in normal daily life. Oh, so it must be some funny. kind of gameplay. Well, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. They said, I only saw her do it once when we were having an argument. And Parvati just kind of did the, the squint thing. So it's... It's her, I don't know if it's a tell as much as it's a, I'm plotting, like a tell for lying versus like a tell for like her wheels are turning in her head. Yeah. It's like, it's a very distinct characteristic that she has for sure. Yeah. And I mean, especially since we know who the traitors are, to me, they just seem so obvious. They do seem obvious. Because he speaks differently when he's lying. Like, he kind of does this, like, oh, I, that's just me. I'm just low and slow, and I just did it. But then, like, in the confessionals, he has sort of a different energy to him. Yeah, it's been really hard to pin down, mostly because it's been so long since I've watched Big Brother. But he does really seem to think that he can just, quote-unquote, turn it on, and it's going to make all his problems mm-hmm. go away. And realistically, here's the thing. Like, if you've ever watched... Like, that works in Big Brother. The way that Dan is playing this game, that works in Big Brother. But this game moves much faster, and it's different. And he yes. has essentially come in thinking that he's playing Big Brother, and he hasn't really tailored yes. his approach to the traitors. Well, and that was his, that's been his, his Achilles heel the whole time. Totally. He doesn't think these other people are capable, including Peter, who he straight up says that. But Peter proves to be very, very savvy, except this move in the, in the, in the breakfast where he just says, yeah, I told these two people that we had one and these two that we didn't. And then everyone's like, well, who did you tell? I don't know. He just reveals the way. So he, Peter, okay. Peter, and we'll get to this again more at the end of the episode. Peter's very lucky because the one thing thing that I put in my note like quote unquote is he is being way too braggy he's doing way too much he's over the top and Mm -hmm. I I was like he's gonna end up getting murdered the good thing is he mentions that like I'm gonna end up getting murdered but Peter doesn't say who he just says oh yeah this was I think Bergie kind of prompted him on it, like, oh, it worked. And so Peter was like, oh, yeah, I laid a trap and I told three people. And CT immediately was like, well, you told me. And I thought his reaction was so perfect because it was so clearly Uh innocent. So clearly innocent. And then that put Dan and Parvati in a situation a really oh shit situation to have to reveal it. Because if they didn't, Peter would. It's so complex. It's so interesting how it's complex because even trying to describe it to someone who hasn't seen the episode, it's hard to do because there's nuance to Mm -hmm. all these little moves that everyone's Mm -hmm. making. So yeah, basically Peter starts to tell everything. Yeah, Sandra's like, who? Wait, who did you tell? And yeah, so we don't quite get to it, but CT says, you told me. So, oh, Parvati says she's suspicious of Peter. Oh, because then they decide to, she's like, can I talk to you? And so they have like a one-on-one. They all kind of break. Yeah. But like, yeah, no good for her at all because Peter's like I don't care I think you're a traitor and you're not giving me any info which she wasn't so I can't knock them for trying but they definitely both struck out and again I just feel like this was Dan approaching him like it was big brother and I also felt and I don't know if you agree with this I felt like Parvati was I don't necessarily think she's wrong for saying like oh let's have a conversation let's talk about it But I don't feel like she really thought about what some of the basic questions or challenges might be that he's going to put out there. 
because all he had to do was say, well, give me something. What? Tell me why you're not a traitor. And she was like, tell me why, I, why I'm not a traitor. Tell me why you're not a traitor. And it's like. Exactly. And then uh, she starts to accuse him. But it's like, it's pretty clear he's not a traitor unless he set up some like multidimensional trap under the trap. Because the, the thing he did, like you can't do as a traitor, mm-hmm, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that whole thing just felt like uh, Dan and Parvati getting into more mess. Because Peter, again, though, because like he is right. He was doing everything. Everything's correct. Yet he's kind of digging himself into this he, yeah. bad situation. Yeah. However, I mean, later on, we'll see that changes. So then we get to this cannonball catapult challenge. I'm going to be honest. The challenges always make me kind of tune out a bit because I'm like, I don't really know what's happening. Everything's moving really quickly. People are kind of making game moves, but kind of not because they're just focused on a challenge that's physical. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I, in any reality competition show I watch, I find myself doing this. I don't pay attention to the instructions because I don't need to. I can watch them do it and it's like, (laughs) oh, I figure it out. So in this, I watched it and then I was like, you know what? We're going to record the pod. Let me rewind so that I can lay out what this event is so mm-hmm. essentially what they have to do is they have to fire the simplest form fire cannonball from a catapult however the launch site is on top of a massive hill they don't specify how far the hill is but it's quite quite far uh they have to find and collect various cannonball pieces along the journey and put this on uh, and put them on this large wood sled uh and pull them all up the hill uh once they get to the top of the hill they assemble it and alan makes it a point to say two things one all of those pieces are very heavy and two along the way there's different ammunition boxes and that within those ammunition boxes there will be one shield for somebody this was a little confusing to me because i didn't really understand there was like five different ammunition boxes that they picked up along Mm -hmm. the way and i was like okay there's one shield what are we gonna do so obviously you know we'll talk through that but i think i mentioned this last week this is the exact mission that kate i mentioned was like picking stuff up and like throwing it off a cliff that's what she said that's when i wrote i was like why did they bring her back specifically for this and she's even already saying why did i come why back? am i here i don't want to be here <laughs> yeah but i do think this I, I don't know i think they've done a good job like tweaking things enough so that the stakes are raised when she was like picking up certain things in the last last year or last season it would be like oh if you get a barrel and you roll the barrel up the hill that's worth ten thousand dollars if you get a rock that's worth $1,000 or there were a brick is $3,000, like stuff like that. And so while they're rolling up the big money barrels, she's holding the smaller rocks or bricks or whatever. And she's just like, <laughs> I don't need this. And so this was a situation where it was, you get all the money or you get nothing. So you mm-hmm. can't just like not pick up a catapult piece or throw a catapult piece over a cliff and, and be fine with that. So they definitely have changed some things and, and made it better. Um, so yeah, they get going. There's a crazy current. I mean, I'm looking at this current and I'm going, Ooh, this could be not good. I'm assuming they had safety people standing by cause it was rushing pretty oh, yeah. good. I know. Like Phaedra's like, I'm so scared. I'm I know. So scared. I know. I feel bad for them. I was like, they, do they really need to go through this? They're not on survivor. Yeah. It was, well, it was funny though, because like Sandra has one survivor twice. She's been on survivor and she was like, not, she was not doing great well she was the one in the last episode that's like i don't run yeah yeah but we did have a really cute moment between um phaedra and ct 
her castle daddy, as she called him, mm. <laughs> where like not only was he, you know, helping her through the high, high, crazy current river, but they were like holding hands at one point. It was really cute. Um, so those are little things that I really love seeing. Um, but the funnest thing that I watched was the first shield that was seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Trishel and Kevin see it when they're in the river. And Kevin seems to think, and I i mean, I guess it was an, an in-the-moment thing, but I don't know why you would think that when you and another person are standing next to each other and that other person has been on the challenge multiple times, that you're going to beat them to that shield. When Trishel turned it on, she turned it on. She left him in the dust. It was so <laughs> funny that she was like, look, I don't care, but I need a shield. And she Yeah, I mean, in. the competitive, the challenge is so competitive. Again, I don't watch it, but that's what I know of it is it's so competitive. Okay, was it part of the instructions that they had to be linking arms or something? Because it seemed like they were all paired up. Or was that just for safety to cross the river? I think that was, was just so for safety for the wild. river. Yeah, because okay. they split off okay. like, you know, you had Kate at the top holding the shield thing, kind of going like, I don't even need this. Which made me think ultimately before i i jump ahead they get all the catapult pieces it was very clear <laughs> that they were all mm-hmm. very heavy mm-hmm. um who did we have i should have wrote down who got it who picked up the quote-unquote shields we had trichelle oh sheree parvati San- sandra did sandra get maybe one? you know i was not even keeping track but sandra and but kate I, and then kate gave it to peter oh and kate didn't even want one wasn't she like why would you why do you need a shield i think it's like la- she was like i think it's lazy or i don't remember the <laughs> she word was she like, said i think it's obvious so that did make me think however that kate has a very strong chance of going to the very last episode whether she wins or loses is yet to be seen but she really just needs to not ruffle any feathers she just doesn't like she just has to avoid the traitors killing her but otherwise like she just has to not ruffle any feathers and she's, she's like in her own end. category I know. she's like they're faithfuls they're traitors and then there's this like apathetic woman <laughs> Like, and there's no way she would be a traitor unless she was recruited, which, I mean, there's a conversation to be had about it being beneficial to recruit her because there's no way she's a traitor. She's brought in so late, but I digress. Yeah, so they get to the top. They put it together. The whole challenge, we did have Alan coming with his little bullhorn, <laughs> giving the little instructions and his long plaid gloves, which are really great. Ten uh, yeah, so, minutes. Yes. You have ten minutes. They get to the top and then they pull the catapult, which they assembled, I guess, or they let and they let John do it, and they get to the target, which means they earn twenty thousand dollars. And then a second pull for each person who got a shield, mm-hmm. and whoever gets it closest to the center gets the, the center shield, of the bullseye. Shrey yeah, ends up winning, yeah, winning. Shrey is interesting because she's really flying under the radar. She's barely getting screen time. I'm curious to know what her deal is. So I will tell. I'll tell you all about. Shrey. Sheree is... Okay, let me give you a little background on Sheree. Sheree's been on Housewives off and on for years. I would consider her an OG, despite she's left and come back a couple of times. And she has always said since her first season, this will tell you everything you need to know about her. She's always said since her first season that she loves fashion. And so I want to say it was even season one. She was like, I'm going to start a fashion line and it's going to be called She by Sheree. And we never see this fashion line. <laughs> Atlanta is going into, I think it's 14th 
or 15th season that's 14 or 15 years we still we went up until i think season maybe it was season 13 whatever the last season was before we see she by sheree so it was always this like thing that she was starting this brand mm -hmm. that she had she was she by sheree and i remember at a re this is like one of her most famous moments i remember at a reunion andy looking at her and being like hey sheree so and she's like hey andy and he's like so she by sheree how's that going she's like it's going good and he goes so when are we gonna see it when are we gonna get you know she by sheree and she goes uh mm, spring sp spring september summer spring <laughs> summer september and he goes spring summer september huh and she's like yeah spring summer spring summer september and i share that because that translates so much into the traders sheree is only living in the right now we saw that when she voted john any other person would be thinking about who's going to be my vote if I'm not swayed at the table. Mm -hmm. And she's not even, like, she's not even going that far. So the fact that I saw, like, we saw her hustle so hard for that shield is hilarious. And the whole joke online, like, I'm in a Discord where they're talking about this. I've seen it on Twitter. Is people just being like, Sheree is going to float to the end of this game and she's going to win. And by the time she gets there, she still isn't going to know yes. what's going on. <laughs> I mean, she, she is really flying under the radar, just floating along. Every time she comes up in the confessional, I'm like, oh, yeah, Sheree. Hey, yeah, wh what are you up to? Um, so, OK, also, I had a question for you. So the pot of money is up to 250000 Like that's mm -hmm. the maximum they can earn. Do you feel like that's enough? I feel like that's not a very big prize. It's not a very big prize. I actually thought this last year. I was like, $250,000 is not enough, especially if the Faithfuls win, and they have to split all that money. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not even enough, honestly, if like two traders or even three, tr three traders win. Now, that being said, I would hope that they raise the pot at least to five hundred grand after this season because they're going to have the money and the resources to do it. Yeah. You know, it's only season two. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting because it's not enough. Because right now they're sitting, so we just finished episode six and they're sitting at, what did he say, 90,000? 90, 90, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that much. Well, and I think, like you said, that's interesting. So we know this show has been renewed for a third season. And I think the other podcast I was listening to said it's been such a hit that they've been playing it on NBC, even though I think it was created for Peacock. It so was. So maybe oh, the budget is not that big. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's not more than because you feel like it would be like a million or something like that because i yeah. don't know what survivor is now but i feel like it's way more survivor is a million big brother 750 but we had this conversation years ago when i started watching rupaul's drag drag race because it was was i think when i first started early on it was 100k and i think they've oh, raised well, it to 250 since then plus but that's the same where they just didn't have the budget i'm sure yeah exactly exactly so i'll be interested to see what they do with it now keep in mind last season they had half normies and half reality stars and $250,000 for a normie is like that's life-changing $250,000 for these people they make that I mean some of these housewives make upwards of a million dollars a season mm -hmm. so it's great for a month of work but it's not like life-changing for them it's just right. some extra money in their bank account well, kind of thing but I'm imagining like yeah it's 250 but then you're being taxed on that also yeah so it's totally really not that much yeah. at all yeah. plus you are you know rushing through a, a river that's trying to sweep you away and <laughs> hauling boulders up a hill. Like my life insurance policy is more than this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
So in the car back, Kate is onto Parvati and Dan. She mm-hmm. she's just gotten there and she mm-hmm. already knows. It's so obvious that these two are traitors. Then Peter holds his secret meeting with all of his little alliance and Parvati goes in and again is so sketchy. Like I don't think she's doing herself any favors. I also it's risky, but it's also like what is she supposed to do? Just let them sit in there behind a closed door right. and talk like yeah. And I think it's in- one thing that's interesting that we're kind of starting to hear now. We didn't hear it last season. We haven't heard it the first part of this season is this co- this conversation of alliances. Alliances mm. are huge in Big Brother. That's like who coined the term alliance. They name their alliances and then it kind of, you know, floated into Survivor. And so you'll notice Peter said something along the lines of like, oh, we got to come up with a name for our little crew. And Parvati's like, oh, yeah, they're in an alliance. And so I Mm -hmm. think you're going to start hearing the term alliance come into this show a little bit more as well so that they can kind of strategize. And the whole point is stacking votes, right? You have an This is what the housewives missed out on. There's, you know, four or five, six Bravo people there, and they didn't just immediately get together and say, we're going to vote together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, what is she supposed to do? Just know that they're sitting in there talking like she's I don't blame her for putting herself in a position of trying to at least plant seeds, sow seeds of doubt. Yeah. It's interesting that you say like this is sort of a new thing to this show because again, that podcast I was listening to was saying since this show is so new, they can kind of bend the rules as they need because there is a world and there is a world where all the traitors get voted out immediately and then Mm -hmm. what do they do? (laughs) They Mm -hmm. need traitors until Mm -hmm. the end. Totally. So it's just really cool to see how many things they can keep changing and they don't need to keep any one format and it's just, I don't know, I love, I love all the twists. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to Dan and his I've got this one person theory, uh, which he keeps saying. And again, I'm like, I feel like it's too late, man. You can't do this. Oh, I've been watching one person from the beginning. Oh, really? Okay. So I got to say, he starts doing all of this. So we get to the round table. Yeah. And prior to the round table, Dan pulls Peter aside and he's like, I just, I have something I want to say. Just let me say it. And Peter's like, okay. Like Peter basically saying like, you're not going to change my mind, but okay, you can say it. And I'm sitting here going, I was right. It wasn't that hard to peg. However, I was right. My theory was right. He's going to go hardcore, pin this on Parvati. There's no reason for him not to. They now all know about Parvati and Dan knowing about the shield. Mm -hmm. So I'm going, he's going to throw Parvati under the bus. He's going to at the very least get himself another week. And then he goes, and what does he do, Claire? (gasps) He accuses Phaedra. It was interesting watching him do this. So I don't think I mentioned this last week. I might have mentioned this in text message to you. But Dan, when he was on his, you know, deathbed, so to speak, in Big Brother, he's really well known for the quote unquote, the funeral, where he put on his own funeral. He wore black, he faked crying and went through and told everyone, if this is my last day in this house, I want to tell you all that you mean to me and individually went through and like really pulled on their heartstrings to the point that they like forgot that he was this crazy strategist, like screwing them all over and they ended up keeping him and he ended up winning. So he essentially tried to play out Mm -hmm. the funeral. Yes, it was such a a different, it just didn't make sense. He tried to like, do it based on like who people have voted for, exactly. who's it's, accused people, who's done this. Yeah, and so, that was yeah. the part that like didn't really fly for me. It was like he acted as if he is a statistician and knows what it means that everyone has or has not been voted for. Because he was like, raise your hand if you've had anybody vote for you. Okay, great. <sighs> but this person's ruled out for this reason. This person's ruled out for this. It's like, but it's all just 
bullshit. And I think they all saw right through he it. He just would be like, yeah. And he would be like, this person explained their vote. So that explains that. Yeah. I'm like, it's like, says who, Dan? That you? doesn't really like prove anything. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's constantly explaining things on this show. And it's called lying and manipulating. It's not necessarily fact. When he said Phaedra's name, it almost... It, <sighs> I'm too emotionally connected to Phaedra in this show right now. So I, I, and that was what made it so intense for me is I just couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. I was so, because it might've even been you last week that was like, what if he accuses Phaedra? And I was like, there's no way. That would be so dumb for his game. Like not only is she flying under the radar, but like what would be in it for him to do that? Like, okay, maybe he gets her banished, but he doesn't really have a case or a story to tell to do that i felt like the world just stopped the look on her face oh this is the phaedra listen like i said if there's one person on housewives i'm not messing with it is phaedra parks like absolutely not and i got i was worried that she was gonna start crying like it felt Mm. like her voice cracked a little bit the look on her face was true betrayal it was it was yeah how on earth could you say this? But so, and yeah, his case was so thin. However, I didn't remember that she had voted for Ekansu and then that was when Ekansu was murdered. I mean, good on Dan to try and turn that thing that actually was not connected at all into Mm -hmm. something that was real. But yeah, the look on her face, I didn't, I mean, she could have cried, but she really did such a good job of getting out of this. That was beautiful. Attorney Phaedra Parks right there. Attorney Phaedra Parks. And this goes back to Dan and his ego and fully underestimating her. But also, and to Phaedra's credit as well, like, wasn't she the one that said he was underestimating everybody? And then she was like, yeah, but everybody knows that you've played Big Brother twice. So like, like, or she, God, I'm not articulating this well. He said, so it was about um, her reactions to you know, all of these people, specifically Bergie coming in this morning. I mean, like, oh, my, my Bergalicious, my Bergalicious. And Kate was like, you think, I mean, have you seen her? That's not really over the top. And Dan said, you don't think that's doing too much. And Phaedra said, I always do too much, honey. I do too much because you do too little. Although tonight you're doing way too much. Yes, yes. But I mean, even a couple weeks ago, I think, because Dan was doing the thing where he was underestimating everybody. And she's like, but remember, everybody knows that you've won Big Brother twice. So they are not, they are not going to pull anything past you like they know what you're capable of. so uh-huh. anyway she has been so on point the entire time she's so smart and so quick and so good at this and i think she even did the thing here where she she turned it around she was like well i'm i'm a dolled up housewife i don't know how to play these games <laughs> you're a gamer i'm yeah. just a little old dolled but, up housewife oh baby but he also accuses parvati yeah so i i not ex- not exactly. He accused Parvati when he was narrowing people down. And I thought even that was stupid. Like, oh, mm. poverty. It was like, this leaves three people. It was like so-and-so, poverty, and Phaedra. And then he gets to the last person, and it obviously was Phaedra. And so I gotta nuts. say, I don't know if you caught this, but the look on poverty's face when Phaedra was reading him was just pure glee like she could not have she was like she could not have been happier i love it i love that she's like well i guess phaedra and i are in an alliance now because (laughs) (laughs) you're out of here buddy see ya so needless to say not one person buys it and dan is out not only does no one buy it but 
they really didn't buy it. It was so much like even John, <laughs> the way that John was like, there's no way Phaedra's a traitor. <laughs> and like, shame on you for accusing her of all people and making oh. us think this. Amazing. However, uh, he's gone. Um, he he's tells everybody he's a traitor. I did think he went out on a high note. I love that he said, have fun, guys. Like, I think that that's the most important thing. This is a game. Um, and they were obviously cheering. But the first thing I'm thinking is, you little motherfucker. Yeah, now that you're a confirmed traitor, you've basically, yeah, you expose. you've exposed Phaedra. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how Phaedra gets out of this, mm. but I'm going, if I'm sitting at that round table and I just see Dan exposed as a traitor and hear this whole monologue that he did about why Phaedra's a traitor, I'm now going, Phaedra's a traitor. Why, he wouldn't accuse a faithful. Mm -hmm. Like, it wouldn't make any sense for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you little motherfucker. Because that, to me, is like, that's dirty. It's sore loser behavior. I don't like it. Um, I understand that this is a game. But I'm like, of all, like, it it made sense for him to throw poverty under the bus. It yeah, because everyone was so it, suspicious of her already. It would have bought him another week, at least. He really was like my ship's going down and I'm taking everyone's ship down with me like it just yeah. was really shitty of him to do so I don't love the move apparently he's been doing you know interviews saying like I made a really big mistake I underestimated her and it's like yeah like, you underestimated he made a mistake everyone from episode one because that's how he's he been was making playing the whole time mistakes yeah. exactly exactly I saw a tweet that somebody was like Dan made one big mistake and he knows it and I was like you think he no. only made one mistake no. like he made multiple mistakes yeah, and he just Starting yeah. with the ego that he walked in the Again, front door with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He came in thinking that he was better than everybody else. And that was definitely not the case. So yeah, he just he strategized his, his way. Yeah, strategize his way out of everything. So what happens next? <laughs> so Alan kind of comes in and says, like, all right, Dan's gone. Everybody go to bed. He says, I'll leave the main light on for you. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, of course, that means he drops this kind of hint about something about somebody may not be going home, but you'll have uh, wounds. He kind of drops a hint, like, there might not be a murder tonight. He doesn't directly say it. Peter takes it as he's directly saying it. Peter gets in the confessional and goes, well, Alan just said there's not going to be a murder tonight, so I guess I'm at least safe for another week. Well, then we get into the turret, and Parvati and Phaedra take their hoods off. And the little, like, quick moment of, like, holy shit connection, but, like, okay, we're in this now. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got each other uh, was really fun. But also, I think it was Phaedra was, like, that was really dark. <laughs> she was like, that was, that was really dark. So they're chatting, obviously. Who are we going to murder? Yada, yada, yada. And what do we hear? A big knock at the door. Yes. And Claire, who walks in the front door? It's Alan in his cape and fedora. <laughs> I believe it's navy, even though the light's outside. It looked a little more purplish. So he pays the traders a visit, and he says to them, okay, you have two choices. Either you can murder someone, or you can recruit someone. It's one or the other, your choice. I have a piece of paper here. Let us know what you want to do. And pretty immediately, I think Parvati's like, well, we have to recruit Peter, right? <laughs> Which is... I mean, basically kind of her only move, but also so smart because I think that's very attractive to Peter at this point, who's kind of exhausted 
his role as a faithful. And he knows he's going to go home. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, too, to see how... So I assume what they do is they send people into the confessional, and sometimes you have a letter there, and that's how you discover that you've been murdered, because they open the letter. And so he goes in, and he sees a letter and has a look of like, uh-oh. But he opens it, and it's a recruitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things I've been thinking about in my head about Peter being a good choice or a bad choice. And I think that's all yet to be determined. I think that Kate would have been a great choice as well. I think that she, I think like the question that I ask myself when I'm going to recruit a trader is, is this person going to be able to pull off not changing their behavior? And that's a great question. Because Peter and, has been so out there and like it would be hard to stay at that level of accusation yet completely flipping your motive. Exactly. And so they did this last season. I actually was curious if they were going to do it again because I thought last season maybe they did it because Cody got voted out pretty early last season. And so I kind of thought that it was like, a, oh, well, like you mentioned, oh, we can do whatever we want. So we're just going to have them recruit somebody in. But Alan did say, well, as the rule state, so I think this is something they're putting in the rules that they are going to allow them to recruit or murder someone. Now, I think, I guess the question I have for you is, do you think Peter's going to accept? I mean, I I think he should and wants to, although then again, because like Parvati's pretty much up against the wall and so, Peter could easily get them to vote for her next time. This is, okay, here's how I'm seeing this as a possibility. I don't know if I think Peter's going to accept it, but let's go down the hypothet- hypothetical that he does. Because Dan threw Parvati under the bus, the person, at least the one that we know of that picked up on that is Trishel. Trishel in her confessional said, well, obviously Phaedra's a traitor. Mm. So the question is, is Trishel going to tell anyone in her alliance that includes Bergie and Peter? If Peter were to accept it and were to learn that Trishel knows, easy. They murder Trishel and no one, it you know, knows any better or mm-hmm, knows any different. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of in trouble, Phaedra especially, I mean, I guess they're both kind of in trouble. They're kind of in trouble if Peter doesn't accept it. One thing I did see on the internet, so I can't take any credit for this, is that it's being suspected on the old Twitter right now that Peter does not accept. Because in the trailer for the season, when it first came out, there's a clip of Phaedra saying something along the lines of, you may have handed out roses in the past, but I'm not going to kiss your ass just because you're the bachelor or something of the Mm -hmm. sort. Mm -hmm. so people are speculating that he doesn't accept it and that that line is coming down the line i mean but that could also be coming from them pretending not to be on the same team so and that also we see this in housewives all the time sometimes it drives me crazy it could have just been cut like it could have been said at any point in the round table and just not made it to the final edit so um but that's kind of the speculation is that he doesn't take it i personally think he's stupid if he doesn't take it i think i think he also wants to be playing the game so i think he's having fun with it so why wouldn't he take it this happened last so ari was the one they recruited last season also the bachelor so it's kind of funny and the way i mean the way that ari boiled it down is it's less people to split the money Mm -hmm. they're playing a killer game and they've already gone half the time here establishing this strategy and playing the game all i have to do is 
not change my behavior, keep being the same person that I've been and make it to the end. And mm-hmm. it could be easy money one. Now, he didn't win. Sari pulled one over on him. But regardless, if Peter's smart, he's going to sit there and think, in the grand scheme of things, if this game's over tomorrow, if we accuse the traders all tomorrow, we're splitting this money in, you know, 10 or 15 ways or whatever. So I think anyone smart would see it as a bigger pot at the end of it and would hope to ride it out yeah. for longer, especially if they could fly under the yeah. radar the way that Peter can. I mean, and it does seem like they all go there hoping to be a trader. So getting the opportunity to mix it up and get to do that would be so fun. And I, su- I mean, I assume they're going to reveal that they've recruited another trader. So everybody will be on high alert. So this is how the second trader got voted out last season. They actually, I don't think they revealed it, but he came to breakfast and he said, this was so stupid. This was one of those things. It was like, okay, bye. You're gone. He came to the (laughs) breakfast the next morning. He was a normie. He was like, you guys, they tried to recruit me last night. They told me that I could either be recruited to be a trader or I could stay a faithful. And I thought, no way. I'm staying a faithful. That is not. And they'd already recruited. They recruited Ari. He accepted. And every single person was like, you wanted to be a traitor so bad. You made it very clear. You would not say no to this. So if I remember correctly, they didn't say anything. And this is part of, they don't really know how many traders there are. There's three, there's four. Mm-hmm. They don't know who's being recruited. And with only one season under the belt, who's to say? All will be revealed. I do have a couple quotes that I'd love to close out with. Oh, I would love that. Phaedra, just straight. You all learn tonight. You gonna learn tonight. Mm -hmm. Sandra, a real doozy. I voted for you, Dan, because of all the evidence. (laughs) I mean, accurate. Straightforward and to the point. I mean, yes, as one would hope. (laughs) The last one in the turret, Phaedra saying, if I wasn't a Christian woman, I would rip his heart out. She is incredible. I love her. The one-liners are just nonstop. And even there are ones that I miss because I rewatched this episode and like she just, yeah, she's so quick. And she's so quick. And I do love the the breakfast entrances are over the top. But again, like she, she is over the top. She so, is over the top. My burgy, and my delicious. she has always like her first season, like her first like meeting Phaedra in season five of Atlanta was like, I'm a Southern Belle. Like she is that person. Phaedra is 100% being herself. She's not any different on this show than I've ever seen her anywhere else. This is who she is. Mm -hmm. And it's just, she's fun. She's witty. She's quick. She's really just has such an amazing position in this game because I feel like she actually hasn't even really needed to do any of the game moves. No, but she's going to have to figure out how to squirm her way out of this one because he really screwed her. Yeah. I just, like I said, dirty move, loser behavior. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day we look back on it and we go, you know, I guess depending on how she navigates it, you know, maybe one day we look back on it and it's like, a, you know, Dan tried to really take you down on his way out and you navigated it X, Y, Z. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. You know what else I love? Just really loved how Phaedra used Peter's trap to get herself oh, I, out of that situation. I actually took that down as a note because it took her so long to say it. And I was sitting on my couch going, Phaedra, you don't know about the shield. You didn't know about the shield. And finally she said, I was like, oh, thank God. Literally, yes. And because that was part of Dan's downfalls, he did not listen mm-hmm. to that. 
So she's mm-hmm. paying attention. Yeah, she's got him. Anything you're going to be watching this week? Well, I feel like a lot of TV will be coming back. We've been on kind of a funky little hiatus due to many factors, including the strikes, which I think we haven't quite even felt the real mm-hmm. um, effects of yet. I am curious because it won't be uh, before we see each other next or record next, but Jon Stewart's coming back to The Daily Show. So Ooh, what's that going to be like? I saw that. I saw that. He's going to do like like limited shows or just through the election yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I'll sit down and I'll watch a John Oliver or a, or a John Stewart or Trevor Noah every so often, but it's all about the internet clips for me. Like those are the ones that catch me, you know, on TikTok or even Instagram. And so that's, that's going to be great. And he's, you know, I'd love for him to run for office someday. I just think that his heart's in the right it place. Is. He's got the right priorities. His heart's in the right place. And also his brain is just organized in such a way that I envy. Like the way he's able to express thoughts yeah. and just place them so clearly. Yeah, yeah he's incredible. Um, so that's cool that I'm looking forward to. Other shows, I mean, th- it seems like there's a lot. I think I should be doing a better job of like putting out a schedule or a list of things I'm looking forward to. Because right now I'm just sort of floating since there has been such a drought. Yeah. Um. But we will see. I'm I'm going to finish. I've told myself I'm going to finish Griselda because that's a thing that I do is I'll watch 15 different shows at once and then fall off. So I'm going to finish Griselda. But Masters of the Air uh, is getting great reviews. It's oh, the new Apple show on Apple TV Plus um, with Austin Butler, my one true love. I just love him. Oh, um, oh he is... I mean, I'm a big Elvis fan, so he, I mean, as somebody who deeply loves Elvis, I felt he did an incredible job. There's a lot of casual shitting on his performance, and I say to them, then you don't know shit about Elvis. (laughs) I digress. It is, like, I don't know necessarily that it's a trilogy, so to speak, but it's the same people that did Band of Brothers and The Pacific, and Band of Brothers is incredible, and Masters of the Air is getting tons of great reviews, so... I'm excited to let a couple of episodes stack up on that, finish Griselda, and then start watching that. We love it. You know, I don't have Apple anymore, but I'm going to have to get it eventually because Apple's got a ton of great content. And yeah, eventually Severance is going <gasps> to come back. Oh, that's, that's the thing. That's the important one. Totally. I know we didn't really um, talk about the shows we love so much, but yeah, Severance is one that I am so excited mm-hmm. about. I rewatched that so many times because that was one that was so rewatchable since it felt like there were just little hints in every episode. I was going to say, you probably catch more things. I haven't rewatched it, but you probably catch more stuff on something the, like a severance and rewatching the, it. The thing I love about it is like there were hints and it's not set up in a way that there are red herrings everywhere. It's like things actually mean something for a reason. And if you figure it out, great. Ah. If not, if not, it you didn't, but it doesn't feel like they're trying to trick you. Oh, that's all. nice. That's great. Yeah. I watched Pretty Little Liars, which is <laughs> such a fun journey at the time. And in hindsight, I'm like, why did I watch that? Because it was really a show that they kind of led you on thinking that you were there to solve a mystery, but it was just filled with red herrings. And it that's just felt like, like you could never get there. That's how Only Murders in the Building feels to me. Like, I love the characters and I love the atmosphere of it, but I felt like I wasn't actually watching it for the mystery aspect. Yeah, yeah. All right, well. We'll find some fun stuff to watch in the meantime. I think we are setting up some kind of Gmail or something. We're setting up a way for people to Yeah, we'll out. get an Instagram up and running. We'll get a Gmail. And, yeah, from there. Until next time. Bye! bye. <laughs>